Welcome to episode 31 of the Cyber Guy podcast. I'm your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk protecting your kids online, part two, with a couple of Gen Zers. But before I get to my guests, let's talk about the week that was in cybersecurity because it was a bad, bad week if you are concerned with things like information and data security. The reason I say that is there were several high-profile data breaches this week that if you had not, if you did not pay attention to this stuff all the time, you would not be aware of them, but I'm going to bring them to you here, and hopefully you find value in the information and what I'm telling you and, and can take uh, efforts to protect your data online and be careful how you proceed online because obviously the goal of this podcast is to help keep you informed and protected because, as I like to say, knowledge is protection. Let's start with uh, some attacks on some educational institutions. The first one happened earlier in the week, and it was ironic that it occurred because I had recently done a presentation for a friend's school in Orange County um, in Florida. And so this was just a how to keep uh, schools and, and employees safe from, from becoming victims of cybercrime. It was a shorter presentation than I would have liked, but hopefully it was useful to those folks as far as understanding the threats targeting them because a lot of people, until it happens, you don't really think you're going to be a victim of, of a cybercrime or some kind of incident. But So that was the ninth largest school district in the country is Orange County Public Schools. And ironically, my friend had emailed me and said, hey, just so you know, you know, we have a really good IT staff here. Uh, we have a, you know, antivirus and we, we have good firewalls and we have technology in place to keep our system safe, which is great. You should have those things, certainly. And my guess is that Broward County Public Schools, also in Florida, the sixth largest school district in the country, would have exactly those same things. Yet this week they found themselves, or actually a week before, but it came it was reported this week, they found themselves victim of a ransomware attack. In other words, their entire network had become encrypted due to bad guys getting into the system and launching code that encrypted their networks and made it inaccessible. And the only were asking for the paltry amount of $40 million for Broward County Schools to get their information back from these particular cyber criminals. Broward County Public Schools decided not to do that, which is probably really the best way to go. If we don't feed the ransomware groups, they will not continue to do their work because they're not making any money from it. But there are plenty of companies that will pay the ransom to get their data back. So that is why ransomware continues to be one of the biggest problems from a cybersecurity perspective. But that being said, the amount of loss to, to ransomware pales in comparison to some other cyber threats that we've talked about in the past, but um, we'll talk about business email compromise on another show. But so, so Broward County Public Schools, victim of a ransomware attack. Then uh, on Thursday of this week, it was announced that the University of California notified their students and staff that that a ransomware group might have stolen and published their personal data and that of hundreds of other schools, government agencies, and companies nationwide. This is a, a story from NBC Los Angeles, Robert Jablin reporting on April 2nd, and basically it says that um, the information that was taken uh, occurred in December and January when hackers exploited a vulnerability in a 20-year-old Acelian file transfer service. Acelian is a well-known firewall provider, uh, and so hackers had gotten into Acelian, which is a third-party partner to all of these victims, 
Uh, and so they got access to that because Acelian had kept, obviously had some poor security in place. And at least there are at least 300 organizations that were victimized by this particular data breach, meaning they have the potential to become victims of ransomware. There was personal information stolen from anybody who had any affiliation with these particular organizations. These included the Stanford University School of Medicine, the Yeshiva University in New York, uh, and some others as well. Baltimore Sun reported that the University of Maryland saw their data compromised in this same attack. So this brings us to an issue, again, I've talked about it in the past, of third-party providers. It is important that, obviously, if you're a company and you want to protect your systems, that you have internal and external sources that help manage your security, whatever that may look like. The problem you get into is once you outsource your security to a third party, you are putting that security in their hands and hoping and praying that they have significant and robust security in place to do so. Clearly, Acelian did not, and it put all of this data at risk. And so here we are again. I mean, I've said this many times before that you know, you have to be careful of where you put your data and how you store it. But these these victims have no way, had no way to mitigate this risk because they had offset the risk to a third party. So what does that mean for you? It means be aware of where you store your data, how you store it, and how you share it. If I was to use a third party provider for whatever I'd use it for, I would ask for a compliance check. Either another third party goes in and does a security check of that particular company to say, here are the controls that they do well, here are the controls they don't do well. There are several frameworks in place that allow anyone, any kind of cybersecurity assessor to go in and look at standardized controls to determine the cybersecurity strength of a company. NIST puts this out in NIST 853 is uh, Internet Security Protocol Controls, and there's like 120 of them. And I guarantee you there is no company in the country that can pass, that likely passes all 120, meaning that they do all 120 of these controls perfectly and they have, you know, significant cyber cyber defensive posture in place to, to protect everything. There may be some. I couldn't tell you who they are. I'd love to hear if someone says, yes, we have had an assessment and passed all of the 120 controls under NIST 853. But um, I work for a company that does this kind of thing, and the, the clients we've had, none have passed with 100%. There's always things that are going to fit through the crack. So with that, how do you protect yourself? The best thing you can do is identify what are the most important crown jewels your company has. Again, I'm, 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 I am a repeating uh, record here uh, because this is not anything you have not heard me say before, but take those crown jewels and be careful where you put them. If, for example, the University of California, if the student records, student personal information is the most important thing to them, figure out a way to make it as hard as possible for a bad guy to get that. As soon as you get it out of your control and provide it to a third party, it's accessible. Does that mean you set up a separate standalone network with no internet connectivity that has that data in case you need it? Maybe it does. Maybe that's an expense you're willing to take and you end up storing it on a standalone system, like I said, where you have to actually go to a special room to access it. Does it make it more troublesome to do so? Certainly it does. But that's where you have to weigh what's the better expense for me to do to do it that way or to do it the other way. All right, that's those are two big data breaches. The third big one, and not even the biggest one this week, was Facebook. And it is announced that a uh, external site had listed information on 500 and 
33 million Facebook user accounts to include usernames, passwords, addresses. All that stuff you put in Facebook to say who you are was made available online. Now, Facebook had a lousy response to this, saying, oh, yeah, this was a data breach from two years ago that we've already fixed that problem. Well, yay for you, Facebook. So you are, let's be honest, people. Facebook don't give a rat's ass about your privacy, your information, or your the security of your information. They care about your information so they can monetize it, but they don't care about protecting it. That is why their security controls change so frequently. In other words, if you're trying to protect your, keep your Facebook information protected, Facebook does a good job at every couple months changing how you do that, and you have to go back in and do it again. And if you're not aware of it, then you have problems. Like a friend of mine who found out this week that someone had compromised her Facebook account and not only compromised it and was sending out messages from Facebook in her name, but it's created a fictitious Instagram account as well to try to defraud her friends. If Facebook gave a damn about security, it would make it very hard for this information to get out. Yet here we are uh, with half of a billion user accounts made available and accessible and Facebook really saying, ah, you know, we knew about this and we've already fixed this problem. So bummer for all of you whose data was lost again. What does that mean? How do you protect yourself? Well, my first thing, if you're on Facebook, give, give all sorts of fictitious information. Don't give your real birthday. Don't give your, I mean, if you, if you need a Facebook account at this point, now chances are if you have a Facebook account, it's too late to do any of these things, but you might want to go in and change that information. So when the next Facebook data breach comes around and all that information gets released, it'll be different information that was there the first time. So it'll create a error of doubt when a bad guy is looking to compare your previous Facebook information with your new Facebook information, and maybe they'll use your new Facebook information, which is fake, and makes it harder for them to compromise your data. So that was another problem this week. Again, find ways to 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 keep your information as protected as you can. The, the, the problem is, is really, if you look at the historical um, data breaches over time from 2003 going forward, 2003 AOL had a data breach, which was kind of the big first big one, really. Your information's out there somewhere. If you go to the dark web and you look on forums, you'll find information about yourself if you just do a, a quick cursory look. Your information has been lost. There is no longer privacy online. But you can reduce your risk of that information coming back to haunt you by turning on multi-factor authentication on your accounts. Keep long, complicated passwords. You know, main, change your passwords periodically. Um, and, you know, that's kind of think about cybersecurity and everything you do when you're online and think, what can someone do with this information? That's kind of the easiest way I can talk about it. And the worst news for the week is a company called Ubiquity. Ubiquity is a company that provides prosumer-grade routers and have become synonymous with security and manageability. This is an article from TheVerge.com, Mitchell Clark reporting, March 31st. And essentially... Ubiquity emailed its customers about a supposedly minor security breach at a third-party cloud provider on January 11th. But noted cybersecurity news site Krebs on Security reported that the breach was actually far worse than Ubiquity let on. A whistleblower for the company who spoke to Krebs claimed that Ubiquity itself was breached, not the third party, but Ubiquity themselves. And essentially, the summary of the attack is the hackers got full access to the company's uh, AWS, that's Amazon Web Services servers, since Ubiquity allegedly left root administrator logins in a LastPass account. What that basically meant was that anybody 
could use those log those root logins to get into the LastPass account and get access to every customer's login information. This is not good people. Uh, and so basically Ubiquity finally issued a statement um, that really wasn't that strong. And hey, let me allow me to read the statement for you. As we informed you on January 11th, we were the victim of a cybersecurity incident that involved unauthorized, unauthorized access to our IT systems. Given the reporting by Brian Krabs, there is newfound interest and attention in this matter, and we would like to provide our community with more information. At the outset, please note that nothing has changed with respect to our analysis of customer data and the security of our products since our notification on January 11th. In response to the incident, we've leveraged external incident response experts to conduct a thorough investigation to ensure the attacker was locked out of our systems. Okay. These experts identified no evidence that consumer customer information was accessed or even targeted. The attacker, who unsuccessfully attempted to extort the company by threatening to release stolen source code and specific ID credentials never claimed to have accessed any customer information. This along with other evidence is why we believe the customer data was not the target or otherwise accessed in connection with the incident. At this point, we have a well-developed evidence that the perpetrator is an individual with intricate knowledge of our cloud infrastructure as we are operating with law enforcement, ongoing investigation, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing happened. Okay, great. So what they're saying is one of two things. One, they had an insider and two, we don't think that customer data was stolen. I'm sorry, people, but let's be honest. If you are a bad guy and you have access, root level access to an information, you are going to steal as much problem, as much information as you want. And this becomes an issue, at least domestically, with data breach reporting requirements. We just don't have that much of it. The European Union does a little better job with their GDPR program, which requires um, a whole bunch more protections put in place for, for customer data. But, you know, this is, again, is creates the issue where you are allowing, you're relying on third-party access to store your data, protect your service, and they have lousy security. So, so today, to, as of the reporting on this particular article, it says the company is encouraging users to change their passwords enable two-factor authentication. The fact that they're suggesting customers enable two-factor authentication now means they probably haven't focused on it in the past, which is ridiculous. So let's say that if I'm Ubiquity, and it, they clearly didn't have two-factor authentication on their root, their, their AWS servers, because if they had, the bad guy wouldn't have gone in. Unless he was an insider, that's a whole different story whatsoever. But the point being, cybersecurity is not getting better, people. Um, and all of these instances are flaws in technology. We rely on technology to protect our systems, yet they are still being compromised. So it's incumbent on you to keep yourself educated on how to protect your data or simple things you can do to create a what my friend Scott Agamom calls a cybersecure mindset so that when you do things online, you are thinking about cybersecurity first. It doesn't sound like it's fun. It doesn't sound like it's easy, but it depends on where you rate your personal information and the security of your money and other stuff. If you take that seriously, you will take some means to at least know people that can help you when you have a problem. My friend who had the Facebook account knew to call me right away, and we quickly corrected the issue, um, changed the password, set up some some extra levels of security, and, and they should be protected now. So if it nothing else, at least listen to podcasts like this to keep yourself informed on, on these things that are going on, because I guarantee you in my next podcast, there will be a host of other issues that had occurred. 
uh, and we'll talk about those then. But for now, let's go to part two on my series here on how to protect your kids online. We're going to actually talk to a, someone from Generation Z on their introduction to technology, what it was like for them, and pitfalls that they may have seen or had as they got online and started having cell phone access and things like that. So let me welcome Catherine Burma to the podcast. Catherine is a 24-year-old University of Alabama at Huntsville graduate, and her father is a retired FBI agent and ironically the host of this podcast. Catherine, welcome to the Cyber Guy podcast. Thank you. I really don't know if I would consider myself a Gen Z. I think 1997 is a kind of in-between phase. i don't know if I necessarily identify with millennials or Gen Z. Fair enough. We're not here to argue whether you're Gen Z or whatever. But I looked it up before I before I wrote this. I looked it up to see what is a Gen Z, and it says ninety six and beyond. So you feel more like a millennial? Be be you be you. Whatever your truth is, we're good with that. (laughs) Joining Catherine is her husband Cam, who's off mic and doesn't want to talk, but he's here listening. So Cam, how are you? Hey, <laughs> there you go. All right. So, so our, our point here, Catherine, is to get a, a perspective of someone who grew up on technology who, when social media was coming around, you were kind of in the middle of it and kind of saw it from that perspective. Uh, and so hopefully some of this information will be useful for parents with kids at the age you were at when you were starting to deal with technology. Because obviously, you know, my first computer was in 1993 um, as far as owning one. And so you were around computers your whole life. Okay, so do you recall your first access to email, social media, et cetera? What was that? Does does it, how did, when did you start down the technology realm road? I remember having an email address when I was a preteen, so 10 to 12 years old. And I remember we were living in Charlotte and I had a friend of mine had mentioned Facebook. I remember coming to y'all asking if I could get a Facebook. I think it was fairly new still at the time. And y'all said no, because I was still pretty young. And it wasn't until we moved away, moved to Ohio, that I finally, like, I kept begging y'all and you finally let me have a Facebook so that I could keep up with all my friends uh, back in North Carolina. Right, and that, and that is, you're correct, it was in Cleveland, because I remember doing a presentation in Cleveland, and it was on how to protect your kids online, and one of the dads asked me, how do you do whatever, and I said I had I'd had came up with a bunch of rules for what you had to oh, have yeah, on the 10 rules, or whatever. 10 rules, whatever it was. And I know the, I remember two specific ones. One was I had to be your first friend and I had the right to remove or edit anything on your Facebook page. Right. But yeah, I don't remember any of the other ones. <laughs> I don't either. But fortunately I didn't have to really use the second one very often, but, but so let's go back to the email real quick. So at, I believe you were probably nine or 10 years old when we gave you uh was it Gmail? I had a Yahoo. Yahoo, okay. So uh, Yahoo was, and yes. And I got Gmail later. Right, because Gmail I don't think existed yet. So Yahoo was the first email. Who are you communicating with? So at that age, so, and I will say this, probably as a parent, that was maybe not the brightest move, but you had grandparents that didn't live near where we were and, and, and aunts and uncles. And so, mm-hmm. so what did you use it for at the time when you were that age? I think it was mostly some family and like a couple of my close friends. And I do remember, I remember going on Yahoo Answers a lot and I'd read a lot of questions on there i don't remember what but that was uh i remember asking some questions relationship advice and did we set any rules rules for you on using email or anything like that i don't think so i don't remember but it it didn't go flawlessly did it i was going to talk about this particularly Uh, (laughs) so so let's uh, let's take your perspective i might have mentioned this in a previous podcast but i won't mention the incident but Mm. so from your perspective let's 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 phrase the incident so your first big problem with technology when you were 
let's see, that was what it had to have been 2007, 2008, somewhere in there, because yeah, we were still like in 11, Charlotte. So you were yeah. 10 or 11. And a neighbor mother came to us that her also 10 or 11 year old daughter had gotten an email from you. And what did the email say? What was the what was the, the I, basis of that email? I think it was so I did not like this girl very much. She was wasn't she was kind of annoying to me. And I think I remember the only thing I remember putting in there was something about how no one cared that her family went to uh, Disney World or something like that or that she liked Disney World. Did you perhaps body shame her? Was there anything in there? Oh, about I her might maybe? have. Yes. So, right. So, so the the mother comes Not to us, great. and so I decide. Well, let me go see if I can, and she claimed it came from, from you. So I went and checked and it was not in your sent mail. It wasn't in your inbox. <laughs> However, in your deleted mail, <laughs> there it was. And so. Not my proudest moment. <laughs> no, correct. Well, I think 10 years old. It's all right. So, and, and it's my proudest moment as a father, because I was able to use my FBI investigative <laughs> skills to question you on this particular incident. And what was the first thing you told me when I asked you about this email to this neighbor girl? Probably that I didn't know what you were talking Said about. Said you didn't do it. And then do you remember what happened after that? Well, I got very much in trouble. Why? Because I lied. <laughs> I know, because I, I took the printed document oh, yes, and faced yes, it in front yes, of yeah, you. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that was pretty awesome. So so parents, keep in mind, don't tell your kids about deleting information out of their deleted email inbox or you can or store it somehow because you need that information to come back <laughs> later. But anyway, that's a side story just that I felt humorous to, to add. So now in my last podcast with a, a fellow FBI agent, I discussed a little bit about how parents could keep their kids safe online. So you grew up with all of this stuff. Um, and we kind of talked about email first, but let's talk about obviously technology has changed with mobile devices and things like that. When did you first become interested in let's say YouTube or, or cell phones and things mm. like that. It was probably around the time that I got my first iPod touch. So mm. it wasn't quite a cell phone, but it had a lot of the same capabilities. I could message friends on Facebook and watch YouTube videos and stuff. Um, and at that time, like YouTube was really starting to boom, especially. Um, and I was watching a lot of like vloggers and stuff on that. And, um, Patrick and I, my brother, we would make, uh, YouTube videos with our webkins that we would then give to you to upload. And we made a lot of videos with our friends. Um, yeah, I think it was around that, like kind of that transition from when we lived in Charlotte to Cleveland. Right. So early, so there. right around 13, early, yeah. early teenage, teenage years. Had there any been any before that had there, and this is probably going to be different today than it would have been back then. But did you find like you were missing out on not being part of it up to that point? Was there a lot of talk um, amongst your peers or was it just something that wasn't a big deal at that yeah, time? Yeah, I don't think so. Because I think my, like, my age group, like, my friends, none of us, like, no one had my space. So it wasn't like I felt like I was missing out on that because mm. that was the big one before Facebook. Right. So you were 14 when you got your first phone. Talk about what that meant to you. Did your friends have phones? Did you feel you needed one? So that was, at that point, we were living then in Virginia, and so starting high school, and I think I had been kind of wanting a phone for a little bit up to that point, especially because all my friends had phones, um, and we were talking about this earlier. You had told me, like, when you finally decided you were going to give me a phone so that I could um, mainly communicate with y'all, especially if I was at, like, soccer practice or out with friends or something, um, you had told me, like, you're not getting a smartphone, and I was had come to terms with that. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I'll just, you know, I'll start with a flip phone or whatever. And we went to the, uh, AT&T, AT&T store, store yeah. and the guy convinced you to get me a smartphone. <laughs> and so then I was choosing between this Android and an iPhone four, I think it was at that point or four S and I went with the Android and that was, uh, figured out later. That was the wrong decision. Did not like the Android. 
Very French. Much. And and what didn't you just out of curiosity? What didn't you like about it? Uh, well, I think it was mainly just that you know I had like an iPod Touch. We had Mac computers. Like all of my other technology was already Apple, and so then I had to rebuy all of the apps that I enjoyed. Like if they cost money, like any of the games and stuff, I had all to right. rebuy them on the Google Play Store or whatever, and then get my music that I had downloaded to my iPod through iTunes, get that downloaded to the Android. And and then I just, the, I had already been so used to the, like, the Apple iOS and the way that all of their stuff worked that I just didn't like the Android as much. So there's an important tip for you parents out there who might be listening to us who might have kids of that age. Make sure you get their devices in the same environment as what you have your other devices in. Otherwise, you're paying for stuff twice. I didn't, had not thought of that myself when this happened. Then I started having to pay for these extra things. I'm like, well, this was stupid on my part. But or it, the, spending all the time to download all of this stuff <laughs> right. and trade it over. So the guy was a good salesman. Well done to him. So <laughs> what were some of the first things you started doing with your phone and your, and your now increased freedom online? That So now you had this phone. Um, Because you didn't have a computer. We had a shared computer Mm -hmm. that we all, it was an iMac that, you know, was in a common room that we all use, used for school, stuff like that. But now you had the capability to be alone by yourself in your, in your room with uh, unlimited online access. Mm -hmm. What did that, what did you find? What kind of freedoms did you find? What did you, did you start experimenting in areas you may, you know, looking back, think that might might not have been a good idea or what that looked like? Um, I remember... I would stay up probably way too late a lot of nights talking to friends, um, whether it was through, like, Facebook Messenger or, um, I guess, Instagram at that point. I don't think Snapchat had come out yet. Um, uh, I had a kick, so I talked to friends through that, and then, like, strangers would talk to you through that, and so, like, looking back on that, like, that was probably a bad idea. Well, let's dabble in it a little bit. How much, <laughs> so, obviously, I didn't know that story, so how many, how, so, how many, so what was the app? Kick. It doesn't exist anymore. It's actually deleted recently. What is it but. similar to? Uh, WhatsApp. I guess. Okay, could so be it was a message. It was an, a messaging app. I got yeah. you. Okay, so and there could be like group chats and stuff, and mm-hmm. so people would add a bunch of people to a group chat and talk and. And so then, if you were in a group, because WhatsApp, Signal, all of these other message apps have the same functionality now. So it's you know obviously they still exist. So you'd be in a group chat and. Would you just get random text from people and random messages? Yeah, like it would. It would come in as like a request, like a message request. So they couldn't just automatically like message you. Like your account was still technically like private. You could only talk to people that you had accepted mm-hmm. to talk to. But did you find the need to? So let's go. To, let's go to Facebook just as an example. You can use Instagram. So we can um, merge this now to Instagram today. But did you find that? So you had friends that have 300, 400 friends mm-hmm. and you only had 100. Did you find the need to match them to get the same number of friends? To Was there peer pressure there to try to have an equal number of there followers, were, I guess? There were definitely times, and I think it was, it would happen more like through Instagram where it's like you want to have, you know, 500, 1,000, 1,500 followers like all your friends do. Facebook, not so much, I think, especially because y'all had kind of ingrained it into me that, like, you don't accept people that you that you don't actually know. And so Facebook felt more, like, so that for only, friends so and that only worked only. for Facebook. So that only worked for Facebook, didn't work for anything else? Yeah, well, <laughs> and I've, I've, go th- I've gone through periods where, like, I would be private on Instagram and I would only allow people that I knew to follow me, and then other times I'd be like, well, I don't really post anything super telling or private anyway that like people would like find me so who cares who follows me um and then at those times i would be like oh i kind of wish i had more followers on instagram um but how many do you have now 500 ish 
Let's take a look. And now I don't really, I don't really care now about who follows me or doesn't follow me because I don't even really post much anymore. What has so that's an interesting question. What has what have so obviously when you started with Facebook and moved to Instagram, you know, Facebook Messenger was a thing. You probably did a lot of text messaging, which is now converted to Snapchat and other things. What is the current for for parents who have kids who are starting to get into this world now with with stuff? You're still of an age where you're still probably on top of most of the stuff more so than myself. Um, that's a bad on me, but you know, like you can only follow so many things. Mm-hmm. But what are the current messaging platforms or the current social media platforms of interest where where would kids be going if they were getting their phones mm-hmm. for the first time or getting iPads and or getting computers where would they be going the Snapchat parents? is definitely probably for just strictly like chatting with people mm-hmm. and your friends and sending them pictures and stuff Snapchat is definitely the number one and then probably I mean and I talk about this probably been you know, kind of beaten to death but like TikTok is yeah. huge um that's not necessarily so much for just like straight talking one on one, but you know, posting videos and stuff and commenting on them. So here's an interesting question: Do your do you and your friends talk about how those of us my age who complain about TikTok are, are nuts and crazy? And it's not that big a deal, or do you? Oh, do, I don't know that... if it's necessarily like my. I think at my age group right now, we're kind of of the group where like we don't, we're not the age of that's posting on TikToks, but we well we watch it just for fun. Okay. And it's almost like a oh yeah I have a TikTok or I watch TikTok or but not that they post on TikTok. I got you. So you have 520 followers on Instagram and 512 following you, um, but only 245 posts. So you're like you said you're not a big yeah. poster. So let's. I mean I think the last time I posted was like a couple months ago. Right. Let's see what let's see what Cam Cam how many people you got on yours? <laughs> probably like 20. Yeah, probably like 20 or maybe even like 30. <laughs> oh no, you have 144 followers and you follow 273. And he has what twenty? No, fifteen eight, posts. Eight, eight posts. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so well done for you, Cam. Tell your parents, nice job keeping uh, that. So, and so let me ask you this question, Cam. I'm going to ask you. So, why don't you post as much? Um, honestly, it's just kind of it doesn't really interest me that much. Like, I don't really care to, you know, take pictures and just show everybody them. I just kind of like to live my life by myself. I guess. Did it ever interest you? Not and really. was that because of something your parents did, or that was just kind of how? You, that's just that's just your personality. I think that was just kind of my personality. And did your parents, what did your parents talk to you about as far as social media and, and stuff like that when you were growing up? Um, I think it was pretty similar to like what you taught Catherine growing up is just like, it's something that everybody can see. So just be careful what you post and, you know, the stuff can kind of follow you down the road later. So let me ask you, let me ask both of you this question. Either one of you can answer, but so let's talk about your friends. So, so obviously, Catherine, you grew up a little differently than Cam. You, you um, were homeschooled. Cam, you weren't homeschooled, were you? you were, no. Yeah, so Catherine's homeschooled, Cam's public school. What were your friends' um, attitudes towards social media and, and all this kind of stuff? You go first. I had a lot of friends who, I mean, that was like their life. And they were posting all the time, probably a lot of times too much information. Um and it just really seemed like they cared a lot about what other people thought. I mean, the amount of people that I know when, when Instagram considered taking out, like, the showing the number of likes, a bunch of people were freaking out. And, like, to me, like, I'm, I am I have more posts than Cam does, but I still don't really. I mean, I've, the last time I posted was, like, a couple months ago, I think. Um, I don't post as frequently anymore. And even when I do, like, I don't really care how many likes and comments I get on it. So, like, to me, it's not a big deal. But some people really find their their self-worth in 
what other people think of them on the internet and sure it's kind of sad so it looks like your last post was december was christmas does that sound right oh yeah yeah picture of the two year mm. christmas very nice uh, and can't let's see when your last one was your last one was <laughs> oh no i'm sorry that was no that was yours yeah so you cams so Cam, same question to you your parent what was your what were your friends like with social media stuff growing up um so growing up like kind of Starting out with Facebook and stuff was just kind of the classic early days of Facebook where people just posted just weird stuff, like random thoughts that they had. But uh, especially like going into high school more, I feel like most of the guys around my age were more along the lines of like trying to be funny on Twitter than anything else. Mm-hmm. So they just retweet funny things or post anything that really came to mind on Twitter. Okay. So your last post, by the way, on Instagram was 2018. So <laughs> so if you're looking for Cam, Cam, Cameron Burma on Instagram, don't really spend a lot of time looking for that. There's not much you're going to see. So, all right. <laughs> so um, do you remember, so we've talked about the Facebook rules. We probably, there were some email rules, but were there any other rules that we gave you for online access or were you kind of, did we, did we leave you unfettered to, to go forth and conquer online? I think the main thing was just that we always had to be like, friends with you or you always had we always had to allow y'all to follow us so that you could always see what we were posting so I think that was a big thing for me is like before I would post something I'd be like okay I definitely know dad's gonna see this and if it's if I think it's funny but he doesn't he's gonna like drag me for it and that's not necessarily like in a like oh I'm in trouble way but more of a wow like that's embarrassing now like it wasn't really that funny so I always had to kind of and it would give you any advice on cybersecurity or staying protected online or and well have you, have you told the story about the the time that i came to you with a I, oh dad look i won a computer through, i thought that was patrick you know? no i think it was you me. won one too yeah go Probably. ahead tell, tell the story feel free go ahead. Uh, I, I don't really remember much of it but it was just one of those classic like email scams that i got when after i got my first email address and i was like oh look at this like it says that i won a computer and i don't remember if i clicked on it or not oh yeah no i remember now yes you did click on it okay. so i had to go through and flush out some stuff because yeah. we were that was in charlotte so i think we still had a windows computer at that time which made mm. it much more much more problematic at that <laughs> at that time so so yeah so that was probably not good um so after that i was much better about not right. clicking on sure. scams and being more aware of it and, and you, ha- trying to have like good passwords and stuff that was something i always remembered did you feel you had more knowledge on cybersecurity and, and issues like that than your friends had and so you yeah. were more prevalent on that yeah well i remember like for the longest time i would never put my last name on anything because i was like oh i can't let people know my full name because if like if someone followed me like like when i which i don't know if you're planning on getting to this but when <laughs> i started my youtube channel um for a while like i wouldn't put i would i would barely even want to put my first name on it because i was like oh i gotta keep it secret because right. otherwise people will find where i live and because i'd say around 16 or 17 we had kind of stopped paying attention to what you were doing online to be quite frank to be honest yeah. with you. i don't think we were really paying attention because when did when did cat apples come come about since you brought oh, it up let's let's, name let's, drop let's, it everything. let's go with it so so cat apples on youtube when did that start uh we were living in virginia so it was probably early to mid high school years so 14 to 16 right and what was the so and i think the reason because we had so up to that point we had a shared youtube account that was yeah, in my well, name that yeah. I would post stuff for you guys. Right, right. And some of them actually had quite a few, quite I had a few one, views. Like a quarter of a million. I made right. like two hundred bucks off that video. Yeah. some stupid American Girl doll video with my horses. With, with and the horse, stuff. American Girl with the horse, right? So, so that's when, and that was when Google was a little easier to do for monetization. Mm-hmm. But so then, cat apples came up. And what was the rationale behind that? 
Uh, was was it to hide it from us or was it to No, I well I think I just didn't want you to like be like, "Oh, you're starting a YouTube channel and like make fun of me for it." But uh, <laughs> Yeah, great. <laughs> well, cuz I knew My you would watch aggressive the video. Cuz I knew you'd watch the videos <laughs> and think that something I did was dumb, I don't know. But at the time I was watching a lot of YouTube and there was a lot of like big channels who would do like um, you know, list a lot of list videos talking about like I I think at one point I had a video which I think I've privated most of the videos now, but it was like the 13 like highlights of 2013 or something like that. And I just talked about 13 things that happened that year. Um, so stuff like that was really popular at the time. And I, and I saw a lot of people that were growing significantly large YouTube channels. And I was like, that would be cool if I could become famous on YouTube. So what you said, uh, 2013, I pretty sure I unlisted that video. Oh, did you? Okay. Let's hold on. So while we're here. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, guys, it's Catherine. And today I'm going to be talking about homeschooling and the experience that I've had being homeschooled. And so, yeah, Uh, I'm not sure. That's that's good. So that so that was eight years ago, 2013. You did your you did a a homeschool experience one for five minutes and it got uh, almost 7300 views, which is pretty good. I think I had I think at the height of it, I had about 2000 followers. So, I mean, I was if I had stuck with it, I think I could have grown it a little bit. More than that, who knows? But right, and did you find so? So that's an interesting question. You started this Facebook, I mean, this YouTube channel. We didn't really do much as parents to stop you from it or restrict you from it. And actually, probably encouraged you to go forth. And actually, your videos are quite are actually very well done. But did you find? Did you get any communication from people you didn't know because of it? Like, did you get emails or anything requesting specific videos, or did you find undue attention because of it? Um, I don't. I feel like I remember at least one at one point getting probably like some kind of spam comment about like oh like email us and we'll, we'll like for a promotion or like a like an ad thing that was clearly fake, um, but not too much because I didn't and that was another like example where even on that I was kind of hesitant to connect it to like my Instagram account but I was like mm-hmm. if I want to grow my social media then I gotta connect them but then even then I would be careful about what I. Um, shared personal, like personal details. So let's bring up your most popular video. Oh, yes. The just jelly a little, little bit of it. Do, three. Oh, there's Patrick. Oh, my gosh, stop. Hey, y'all, it's Catherine, and today... <laughs> by the way, that's that's the director was is her, her younger brother, by the way. I'm going to be doing a video that I'm kind of excited for, but also kind of nervous for. Um, back in June, when I went to London with my mom and my grandma, we went to the Warner Brothers Studios to see the Harry Potter... Um, Thing. You know, they had all the uh, sets and stuff. <laughs> and in the store, I bought these uh, Birdie Bots Every Flavor Jelly Beans. And if you have read any of the books or seen any of the movies, you know that these are jelly beans that come in all different kinds of, like, flavors and stuff. There's, like, 20 different flavors, I think. Um, and basically in this video, I'm going to be doing kind of like a challenge. I think, right, I think so I've seen... So I'm going to jump ahead and see if we... Oh, there you go. See you eating one. There you go. Oh, eating yeah. Right there. Eating the, okay, here's I think this one. is candy floss, which I didn't is... Do the challenge, um, right? Just... Cotton candy. You gotta find a good one. Maybe. Or might have been tutti frutti again. That's yeah. funny. Okay. I'm like, that tastes actually kind of good. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Banana. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. Okay, we could go through this. But anyway. There's one so like booger I, I will say for that one, you had 1,500 likes and 227 dislikes. And then a bunch of comments. How many comments? So 262 comments. So my guess is you don't know any of these 262 people, right? Absolutely so, not. So, so yeah, Actually, people. I take that back. I probably knew a couple because I did have some like friends that I made. So did any of them? So, okay. So, that, so this is an interesting point. So thinking to your friends and thinking to these YouTube channels, um, did any of the comments 
impact you negatively? Like, did it cause depression or did, did you look at it and say, oh, what am I doing? People hate me, anything like that? Because that certainly, I think, from a parental standpoint, would be a concern mm-hmm. where, because I didn't, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't know you were doing these videos. I forget how I found out about it. Um, and I wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't tell you to take them down or anything, but certainly a concern would be, you know, people mm-hmm. with negative, negative comments and, impact, and impacting your um, mental state. Did you find any of that, any issues with that? I think my content was pretty tame that, like, I never – and it wasn't – I didn't get very large, so it – you know, if someone would have been to really sure. be looking for it. Um, and I'm sure there were some – I think there were some comments on that one of, like, you know, oh, you didn't do the challenge right or this is dumb or whatever, but it never really bothered me. And, and like I said earlier, like, I never was really one that cared so much about having the most comments and the most likes and whatever on pictures and stuff, so – I mean, obviously, with the YouTube channel, I wanted to grow it, but I didn't really care about necessarily, like, if people were. So thinking to your friends, your high school friends or your college friends, did you find, did any of them have this, and did any of them go through anything like that? Um, I definitely think I, there, I did have friends who would get really upset with, you know, if they felt like they were being bullied by someone or, you know, there were people. I feel like I saw it more with some of the larger creators that I like people I didn't know, but that I followed who just would get like torn down over nothing. Um, and kind of talking about like mental health in general, um, this is kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but talking about, especially like what you post and how it can come back to bite you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, so we Cam and I and some of our friends, we watched the bachelor and there was specifically a girl recently who actually works in mental health and like she's like a therapist or something. It came out that back when she was in college, she was tweeting. I don't know, did you see this? Is this the uh, Bella, the antebellum ball or is it a different No, one? this is a different okay, one. Okay, go ahead. So this is actually a girl. She's, um, she's biracial and was tweeting about literally every, every person that you could possibly like, Um, make fun of or tear down or like literally do anything. I mean, she was making fun of like fat people. She's making fun of people of like literally every religious. Right. She's bullying people. Um, And that came back recently. People found all those tweets and she, I think they're like the, wherever, whatever state she lives in, like they're considering taking her license away, like from her work because they were that bad. And her response to it was really bad too. And so, I think that was kind of going off a little bit of a tangent, no, but just like point. talking about but how that, that makes an interesting point because so now, so thinking back, you've been online for fourteen years now. No, you're now you've been like yeah, for your first email suppose, was about yeah. ten, so about yeah. almost fourteen years. Cam, how long have you been online? Um, probably around the same line. around the same time. Okay, so have you found any? So your friends have all been online as well, probably. Mm-hmm. Have any of them? had any issues finding jobs or anything that because of things they posted in the past coming back to bite them, kind of like what you're talking about with this, this particular right. lady? I don't, I don't know if I know anyone specifically, but I, I just know that actually I take that back. I think, I, I think one of the girls on my soccer team had an issue with that. Like she had been posting some, like, I think she, had, I remember her saying something about like reminding other people like, Hey, be careful what you post. Cause she lost out on a job opportunity mm-hmm. because of what she had posted. And just, I know just from like, remember from growing up, you always telling me like, Hey, like people, like when you do try to find a job, like they're going to be looking at stuff. And so I've every now and then I'll go back through like my social media and make sure like, I didn't say anything stupid when I was young. Right. <laughs> and I don't usually find much, but. And do you find your, do you use Twitter? Uh, I don't really post on Twitter anymore, but I'll go on there if I'm like, if to, to if, read stuff. Yeah. 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 Cam, Twitter, you on Twitter? Um, not really. Not Do even, you even a, have an account. 
I have one, but I used it like maybe five years ago or so. <laughs> I like retweeted two things and that was well, it. Well, and you were one of the only people that followed me, and so I was always really scared of posting anything. Yeah, I was like, yeah, not yeah. because I thought I was right. going to get in trouble, but you were going to make fun of me for what I posted. So did you know that we monitored all your activity growing up? Yes. Okay. I should mention that we didn't because we had no capability to do that. But it, oh, okay. but you well, thought I, we did, right? Well, I guess I, in in my mind, monitor as in that you were like you would check on it every now and then, right. like from your following, right? And it did that. So so knowing that I was looking online, there's, there's a lot more tools now that parents can mm-hmm. use to to watch their kids' stuff. Was that a deterrent? Would it have been a deterrent? Is it a deterrent? I think it, yeah, it was somewhat. Like because I was worried about right. what I passed in. Cam, any restrictions on your end? Um, pretty much the same thing. Same thing? Yep. So, okay, so let me ask you, both, since you're both here, so at some point, assuming you will have your own children, how are you going to introduce technology to them? Because obviously when your kids come along, technology is going to be crazy. I mean, I'll be honest with you, when you were young, when you were two, three, we would sit in front of the TV just because it was a babysitter. Cause mm-hmm. it, cause you, it would well, be, people do that now with it, iPads. Sure, right, exactly. So what are you going to do? You know, what do you think you're going to do with your kids mm-hmm. as far as introducing them to technology? How long are you going to wait? Are you going to... You know, we, I think, I want to say when you were young, they had the leaf pad. It was like a, it was a precursor to, to an leap, I, leap, leap, pad? leap pad. Yeah, that was it. Leap mm-hmm. pad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could do, you could learn stuff on it. Yeah. So which is good. It was just an argument you can make that, you know, we use it for learning, but there's yeah. certainly other stuff that is beyond learning. But what is your, what, what, based on your experiences, how will that impact how you raise your kids? I think the obvious answer is that like, they're not going to get any iPads or, or, phones or whatever till they're you know high school or something but obviously i'm sure there'll be some extent of you know ipad but but i will say like i definitely think and just seeing it on like my own phone like the different options you have for stuff of just like setting you know parental restrictions so that they you know they have their couple of apps that they're allowed to use or whatever and you know a couple of shows that they can because i think there's like even ways on youtube where you can set it up where they can only pick from like a certain list Mm of shows or videos um and then having like i definitely think like looking back on it like the amount of like nights that i stayed up till midnight or later like on my phone like we definitely have some kind of rule of you know so if i had been smart i would have had the ability to shut it off at 11 would have been the way i should have gone or like mom i think was saying the other day like you know at eight o'clock like the i the the ipod touch or whatever goes like on the kitchen table or something and then it's Left yeah, there. so I would yeah. say that was a that was an error in our parenting capability to oh, allow you. Out okay. <laughs> yeah, you did turn out okay, but still, you think yeah. how much better you could have been. Yes. <laughs> um, With four more hours of sleep. Right. That, we'll see. There you go. So I had one other question that kind of lost track of what that was going. Oh, oh, so so here's so here's my last question. Did you find that? Well, did you did did we communicate with you enough as to the risks to being online and things like that. So we did we demystify it to the point where you didn't have to go looking for things that you didn't know about or were confused about. Was there enough communication on our part so that you didn't say, well, I need to go find out what this is because I don't because no one's telling me what it is. I got to go look for it. I think you did a good job. I'm, I think I'm sure there were still things that like I just I either didn't want to ask you all about mm-hmm. or I was or I felt like it was be a stupid question or I don't know. But like I feel like for the most part. Right, cause I think the and, and the, the purpose to that question was I'm not saying it's to say oh yes I did a great job as a parent right, yay for right, me. Right. What I'm trying to say is if you're a parent, the more you demystify stuff mm-hmm. online, the less likely your kids are likely to go look out look for stuff that they're not supposed to mm-hmm. because they're going to have a secure feeling that you know stuff they're doing they're safe on what they're doing. Yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, Cam, you agree with that? Oh yeah. 
Okay, thanks. Uh, all right, any any final thoughts? Any final any final tips to parents? Like, so as a soon to be parent, a post child, up a, a previous child to a parent, what would you tell parents as far as their mm-hmm. kids and being online? I would definitely say just setting them up for success as they get older. Just making sure that they understand like that what they post is forever, and like you know they can be dumb kids and stuff like that, but just to be careful of what they say because it can and will come back to bite them if they're not careful. Okay. Any deals with sexting? Do you have any issues with that growing up? I did not. No? Good. Excellent. That's good. <laughs> good. That's a good answer. Glad you said that. All right. All right, Catherine Camp, thanks for being on the uh, show. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having us. So that's going to do it for episode 31 of the Cyber Guy podcast. I greatly appreciate everyone for listening and passing the word to their friends to, to give the podcast a listen. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast providers, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all those. I mean, all of you. Look it up. You'll find it. It's not that hard. CyberGuy, C-U-B-U-R. If you have a question for a future podcast or thoughts on the podcast, feel free to email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com. I appreciate getting the emails. I try to respond to them as quickly as I can. I appreciate those that email me with questions about the FBI, how to get in, stuff like that. I'm happy to answer those questions as well. As you go through your week, remember... Assess the threats that are targeting you. Or actually, let me rephrase that. I've got my own tagline wrong. Understand the threats that are targeting you. Assess your risk. Proceed wisely online. And remember, knowledge is protection. Have a good week.